This is your Strip Sports Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. It's Monday. So much to talk about. I think I mentioned this on the show a little bit later, but um, tw- Timberwolves, Twins, Wild, certainly in the playoffs, Lynx, and Minnesota United all played this weekend. Extremely busy. I can't remember the last time five of what I consider these six major teams. Only the Vikings didn't play this weekend. Um, that's a busy, busy weekend. I'll have Patrick Royce on to talk about a lot of that stuff in just a little bit. First, what did I miss? Wild, the big story. And I've got Sarah McClellan coming on from uh, Star Tribune, covers the team out in Vegas. She is going to join me right now. Happy to be joined at the outset right here on Daily Delivery by Sarah McClellan. She is out in Las Vegas, uh, home of the Golden Knights, but not home ice advantage of the Golden Knights anymore. Sarah Wild takes game one, one nothing in overtime on Sunday. You were there, covered the game. Um, walk me through right off the bat your impressions of you know a team that doesn't have a ton of postseason experience. How they you know how they were able to stay in the play and keep the keep the game scoreless, and then you know ultimately how things finished up. Let's start with how they came into this game. You know what? I think that was probably pretty close to the game plan that the Wild drew up in how to stack up and match up against the Golden Knights. It just felt the longer that the game was 0-0, that it suited the Wild and that it obviously played to that team's strength versus Vegas. You know, by the third period, it's still 0-0. Vegas is juggling its lines. It's looking for something. And the Wild is just going about its business, just rolling all four lines, no panic, no trying to mix things up, nothing to try to jolt it. I think that right there just kind of captures that that was a game in a way um, that the wild can have success in the postseason, you know, against Vegas and for Vegas, that looked like a team that, you know, obviously was searching for answers and searching for a way to get a puck by Cam Talbot and, you know, around what was a pretty sturdy defensive effort. So, um, you know, obviously the wild has to find a way to on the flip side, you know, to get more pucks, in and around Marc-Andre Fleury and, you know, one goal each game, it's going to be tough to continue to win that way. Um, But I think overall um, this was a game and a result that was huge for this lineup, huge for the series, obviously, like you said, to, to claim home ice. Um, And, you know, I think too, just, you know, it just shows that if the wild, you know, sticks to its plan, sticks to the way it's built to play, you can have success even against a team like Vegas that, is obviously very competitive, a high-scoring team uh, with elite goaltending. So I think, you know, that would have been a tough loss probably to stomach for the Wild after, you know, how it persevered through the first period and found its legs and, and got better as the game went on. Um, but obviously, Yul next overtime goal. Um, now they kind of obviously have a blueprint to build off of, you know, for game two. You mentioned, you know, the first period, and we'd even talked about that before we started the segment, how they maybe looked – if nerves were the right word, and maybe they even mentioned that a little bit in, you know, some of their post-game comments, but you know, how, how much of, you know, a, they had confidence because they had success against Vegas in the regular season, but B when you have a veteran like Cam Talbot, that kind of steadies you and keeps the game scoreless when maybe you haven't had your best period. How important is that? Yeah. He set the tone and it's, you know, I think obviously Eric Sinek gets a lot of the attention and accolades for scoring in overtime, but it, it, 
it, it stood up. It was the goal that mattered because of Talbot's play. And if the wild doesn't get out of that first period scoreless, um, you know, the result and outcome obviously could, could be very different. Um, you know, Talbot comes in, you know, despite um, not maybe a lot of seasons in the postseason. Um, you know, taking teams to the playoffs. He has some pretty credible playoff experience in, in terms of, you know, the runs he's gone on with Calgary, most recently in Edmonton. When he gets in the playoffs, he usually goes on a run. He gets past the first round. Um, he gets a team, you know, deep into the second round historically these last few times, like I said, that he's had the chance to be a starter in the playoffs. And he plays like this. You know, he shuts teams down. I think, you know, really the poise and the calm, you know, that that demeanor that we saw all, all season from him, this is where it shines. This is where it, you know, kind of comes to a head and can steal the show. And um, it's not like it's different than how he plays in the, in the regular season, but I just think it gets magnified more and you see the results. So, um, you know, like I said, Erickson, that game-winning goal, his first career overtime goal, um, but Cam Talbot obviously was, was vital and, you know, I think just kind of continues to show why the wild went out and acquired him. Like you said, though, Erickson neck with the winning goal, kind of a quintessential goal. You wrote about that in your game story, uh, star tribune, star tribune.com read that and all of her coverage ship Scoggins column on the game as well, uh, in Monday's newspaper, um, and on star tribune.com, but you know, turnover you know forcing forcing a turnover in you know in, in vegas's zone and you know just a, a good play along the wall a centering pass and kind of you know a, a shot that's not not perfect it goes off a skate right it, it deflects enough off a skate but that's 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 how you win sometimes in overtime and that's the kind of line you know not only that they've needed all year and getting this chemistry but but in overtime and in playoffs it's not always going to be that finesse goal that uh, that, that wins a game for you you know, I think it was a very validating finish for that line because obviously the Erickson Eck line is this team's number one line. It's under the microscope in this series. Um, you know, early on, you know, you can kind of see maybe the wild trying to play that matchup game, which is tough when you're the road team and you have, you know, you don't get that last change. It looked like Vegas was trying to get, you know, their fourth line, that Ryan Reeves line out there against Erickson Eck, whereas you know, the wild maybe wanted to go first line, first line and match up Vegas's speed and skill with, you know, a strong checking line in the Eric's neck line. So they kind of were challenged with, you know, a lot of different, um, you know, obviously lines in the game, the matchups, um, the penalty kill, obviously where Eric's neck Greenway and Marcus Felino all play on. So, you know, I, I think it was kind of a, you know, a, a tough game for them to find their rhythm. It was tough for them early in the game to get in their four check, which is where they shine, which is obviously what led to led to the game winning goal that that, you know, that pressure on the Vegas defense. So I, I think, you know, having them deliver, um, you know, we could maybe see that dovetail in the series that they were able to contribute that way because they're going to play a very important role as a shutdown line but also as a line that can generate, you know, Erickson Eck, that was his 20th goal of the year. Um, he is key to this offense. He is this team's undisputed number one center. So I think for that line, you know, the role that it plays, um, it sets that physical tone as well. I, you know, I think if there was any line, you know, maybe that you, you wanted for the wild, you know, for them to see, okay, like contribute, get something going. Obviously the Kaprizov line, probably same, same can be said, but they had a lot of chances, but I think for the Eric's neckline, you know, long-term in this series, that was a finish that probably makes them feel good about their game 
and they're going to have to be locked in again in game two. Last thing for you, um, you know, like you said, got to be locked in on game two emotionally. Where were they after the game? And then kind of how do you how do they carry that into now? I mean, such, when you win an overtime in game one, it is an emotional high. How do you kind of channel that into game two and, and, and you know, make sure you're not just happy to be happy to go home one one because you've stolen a game? Yeah, I didn't get that vibe. You know, hearing the players talk after the game, it looked like the celebration was on the ice. Like, you know, we saw Erickson beaming. We saw Marcus Foligno jumping up and down, the players piling on and and having this big celebration. Um, that looked like, you know, probably the most, you know, visible celebration for the team because when we talked to them after the game, it was businesslike. Like, I mean, you just looked at their faces. It, it didn't look like a team that just won in overtime necessarily because it was very matter of fact. Um, and, and having said that, though, that's kind of been the way this team has carried itself all year. Like, you know, it just kind of felt like that's that's the tone. That's the demeanor that's set. You know, they know what they have to do. And like I said, they hung around a game that really played to probably the way they drew it up, you know, like limit Vegas, limit, you know, limit the quality of chances. Yeah, they put 42 shots on net, but, you know, Talbot handled all 42 of them and, you know, a timely goal, even though there was plenty of chances before to score. So it felt very businesslike, which I think probably speaks to the experience, the leadership in the room, some of the players who have been here before and Nick Benino and Ian Cole, Stanley Cup champions. Um, but I think it's also indicative of them recognizing the big picture. This is just one game. Uh, it's a seven game series, best of seven. So, you know, we'll see how they respond in game two, but I, I, that stood out to me. It just, it wasn't this joyous spillover of a celebration. It, it seemed very matter of fact and businesslike, which, you know, maybe speaks to why the wild is here. They've had that set, that, that reset mentality, obviously throughout the season. Sarah McClellan, great stuff. Thanks for joining me here. We'll have you again on uh, Tuesday's show as well to help set up game two in Vegas. Appreciate it, and we'll catch you soon, okay? Sounds good. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, Go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Joined right now by Patrick Royce on Daily Delivery, a regular Monday occurrence. Um, not our foremost hockey expert at the Star Tribune, but Patrick, I'd like to ask you quick, wild uh, one nothing That validates your hockey theory a little bit, does it not? At least the goal didn't bounce off somebody's rear end in uh, overtime to uh, decide it. It was actually uh, it was a uh, it was not a goal that ricocheted four or five times before it went in the net. But uh, just once off the skate. So yeah, 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 off the skate a little bit. But it's uh, it you know they uh, I I I think that Vegas is a good uh, matchup for them because uh, I I saw Sarah's advance piece about how their whole dedication in this playoff series was to become more explosive, score more goals, but you know, they're, uh, they're playing an opponent where you don't have to score as many goals as when you, if you were to play Colorado, right. I mean, yeah. they, uh, they are, you know, you, you score three against these guys, you're going to beat them in the playoffs. You score three against Colorado. You're probably be in overtime. Right. So, yeah. uh, 
or, or if you're lucky. So uh, I think I think this is the opponent for them. Now they do have a much better goalie, Las Vegas, than Colorado does. So that also becomes the other factor. But uh, it was the old survive the first period, right? You go out, yes. you give up uh, 19 shots, and you get out of that 0-0, and then the other team starts to say, oh, damn it. Dig, we were supposed to be ahead two to nothing, and uh, then the, the they're the favorites, and then the pucker factor gets involved, and uh, the hockey playoffs uh, are a complete crapshoot, and you can either like that or dislike that, depending on uh, whether you want to see the best teams advance or not. But uh, in this case, I think they're two pretty dang equal teams. So, uh, and and this is uh, you know I I got to think that. Uh, the wild offensively, it's going to be a little easier for them to uh, take chances and, um, you know, get things flying around a little bit now that they got the one old lead. Right. And once you, once you get the, once you, once you win the road game, then you can, uh, then you can loosen up a little in, the, in your style of play too. So yeah, yeah, it's uh it's good for them. It's uh, I don't know this whole, I think hockey more than any sport, at least for me needs the crowd, not, I know not to help the team because it's incredible how many road teams now win in, in the hockey, but playoffs, but I think it needs the crowd to feel the idea that, uh, boy, this is, this is really important. And, uh, uh, you know, watching, watching hockey in those, with those, watching most of this great season with very few people in the stands and uh, it really, the excitement factor will build now after yesterday's win, but I, I don't think we had the. I don't think this team went into the playoffs with the same excitement factor it would have locally if there'd been a. It's, if if it had been a regular season and the building was full and everybody was uh, fully involved, but a win like that uh, will uh, get you uh, get the whole Twin Cities pumped up again or the whole Minnesota pumped up again. So. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, I think hockey. You're right. It's it's one of those sports where there is a certain energy yeah. to it. I think I think a lot, I think every sport when you look at it suffered in a certain way. I think we've talked about college basketball and college football. Just it felt weird not having any kind of that atmosphere there. But you know, one more point about the the game itself. I feel like I don't know if it was necessarily underappreciated throughout the season, especially by people who watch this team. But man, the the signing of Cam Talbot. Um, you know, just yes. re- reimagining that position for the wild for as much as they've struggled to score goals in the postseason, or, you know, even in the regular season. And that, that changed with Kaprizov getting here and some of these other guys emerging, but Talbot, um, you know, obviously gets the shutout in that game. He's been rock solid pretty much all year at a position where they thought they were solid for a while, but they really weren't with Dubnik these last couple of years. No, oh, that's true. There's no, uh, there's no, there's no doubt about that. And uh, I guess that what I was saying was, for me, uh, being at a hockey game and an empty, and I was only over there about three times this year, but uh, to, to uh, being at a hockey game in an empty arena just is no, you know, it's hard to get into it uh, yeah. to me, to me, and uh, the fact that we're gonna have people again. How many are we letting in uh, next week? I can't remember. It's kind of a moving target now. It- I, mean, I don't know what the moving More? target is with the with the new guidance. Um, I'll, I'll In, check that. Indoors it, is a little different, right? Indoors it is. It is. But I don't know if it's changed a whole. I don't know if we're much more beyond what we were in the regular season. I think they're trying. Maybe maybe by the second round, if they got that far, it would be even more. But uh, 
Yeah, their their first home game in the playoffs will be Thursday night. Um, uh, and the, well, the Wild, what we had yesterday is one team figuring out how to win and another figuring out how to lose. And the other yeah. one is the uh, the Wild has become experts at figuring out ways to win, and the Twins have become yeah. early season experts at through what's almost twenty five percent of the season. That was one of their most inventive losses yesterday. I yeah. was there yesterday. That was. Uh, uh, you know, Rourke, but uh, the kid catcher who looks really good defensively and isn't worth a damn as a hitter. Uh, there's a guy standing at third base, and instead of running the guy, instead of running Andrus all the way back to third, he, uh, you know, he without throwing the ball, he he throws the ball, and then Andrus, crafty old son of a gun that he is falls down like a Duke basketball player and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, they get the run out of there and that just took the life out of everybody on that team. And, uh, but man, they're, they have some serious issues when my aid is pitching like that, they have some serious issues, man, alive. Yeah. Well, I, I jotted yeah. that down. I mean, they, they get, you know, they get the, the big, you know, so no finally makes contact hits three run homer Saturday. So you're like, okay, if any kind of game is going to be a, a launching point for any kind of, okay, let, let's, let's rally around this, turn this thing around. Maybe, maybe that's the kind of game you do it. An, un, an unexpected win, a pop fly home run, basically just right over the front right yeah. of the flowers, you win five, four, and then you get up four, one right yeah, away. You're playing and playing really good when right. they, to get the four to one. They're playing really good. And Maeda comes out for the fifth and bang, 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 just three line drives. And, uh, uh, you know, I did supposedly what they say today, he's got a bad leg or something. He's got, he's got something wrong with him and, uh, not his arm, but his leg, but, but he's looked like his arm to me because most of his fastballs were 89 yesterday too. I mean, he's not a hard thrower, but, uh, yeah, that was a that was a devoted, uh, disciplined effort to get beat, and then they tie it and give the run to Donaldson, who I really like as a third baseman generally, but he has been kicking it around way too much, especially in the Losing clutch. The like that's the second yeah. that's the second game where he's given one back in the in the clutch time, and he also got him started another little roller at third that he he didn't he cannot he does not make the play on that. The, the roller you know he's, yep. he makes it left and he makes it right but uh yeah that was uh that was a hard uh, effort and they're just i don't know they're just it's hard to see any solution to this it really is uh and then sergio comes in walks the first player walks the first guy gets behind the next guy and ends up getting four straight what four or five straight outs and uh Snow waves at two of those 75 mile hour slide balls of his and poor Larney kid had no chance against him because he couldn't he couldn't swing slow enough. <laughs> right. And it's uh it's just uh it ain't the year. It's not the year, man. Sometimes there's sometimes it's your year, and sometimes it's not, and it's not uh they just they just figure out ways to get beat and uh and they're they're buried now as far as i'm concerned i mean it's uh look at oakland though they lost their first six seven of their first eight this was the worst oakland team in the history of in the last 20 years and then they won 13 in a row yeah <laughs> but I, why not but 
but you know, you watch them yesterday, they got professional hitters, you know, they, they, Maeda, okay. They're just sitting back waiting for Maeda's, you know, slop to come up there and hitting at the right field, hitting at the, you know, they're, they're, they're taking the ball anywhere they want it to basically. They got professional hitters and this team doesn't. So it's, uh, I mean, there's just a lot of ways. Now, one thing, Kepler has looked like a live body the last couple of days and Polanco's looked good for a week. So, I mean, it's not, hitting wise, it's not as hopeless as it was, but it's still not good. And I don't know if Larnick's ready and, you know, I, I I mean, it's just, and so I'm, I love Sano saying he knew that was a home run to the right field to win the game. The courts were, yeah, he knew it was out. Uh, why'd he stand there at home plate? Like he thought, you know, why'd he, you know, he didn't come running out of the box like some guy or waddling out of the box like some guy. Uh, but it's a, uh, it is a, uh, it's a, it's a sunk. It's not a sinking ship. It's a sunken ship. I think. Yeah. It, it, just, it feels that way. It, it, you know, if at the start of the year, it seemed like this was a team that had, it didn't have a glaring weakness, I guess, because you, you looked at it and you're like, ah, the hitting should be, you know, okay. The, the pitching should hold up. The defense should be improved. But what that's kind of proven to be as the year went on is a team that doesn't really have a core identity. And it's become a team that's found a way, a lot of different ways to lose instead of a lot of different ways to win. You know, some days it's the hitting, some days it's the starting pitching. A lot of times it's been the bullpen. Sometimes it's the defense. And it's like when you can't count on something to be excellent, there's a lot of different ways to be let down. And they've certainly, uh, you know, unlike the wild, like you said, at the, at the start of this, uh, start of this segment on the twins, it's, you know, one team has pushed all the right buttons this year and that everything, everything the twins seem to try, just doesn't work. That's two games in a row where they've given made a, a three run lead. They gave him one in the, that white Sox game too. And yeah. if you can't, you can't hold a three, nothing lead, a three run lead with your best, you know, who's your best if, pitcher. If, that's, that's tough. He and Barrios are not going to be a one, two that would be competitive in the Bay in the American league. You're, you got no chance if they're both going to pitch like they pitched, right. you have no chance. Now I want to report in, uh, I did see a double header at Woodbury before I went to the twins game. The, uh, uh-huh. I saw the, uh, 10 year old, uh, 11 year old boys team. Okay. Traveling team at Woodbury. And then I saw the, uh, 12 year old girls fast pitch, I guess, but it's not real fast, you know, uh-huh. uh, softball game, but the boys game, I want, I want to tell you that the, the fame of certain members of the twins is such this one kid who happens to be the neighbor of my grandson uh, made this diving catch out in center field for, for an 11 year old kid. Pretty dang good. Right. 10, yep. 10, 11 year old kid. It was a great catch. So he came back and he running by me and I said, Hey, Colin, you look like Byron Buxton on that catch. And he said, I said, except you didn't get hurt. And uh, the kid got a laugh out of it. So even the 11 year old kids, even the 11 year old kids know that Byron can't make a catch without getting hurt. And I got to tell you another thing. Okay. 12 year old girl softball. Yep. I think the score was 21 to 14. Yeah. Nice. Like an old college world series. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, I mean, the ball, when the ball's in play, she gets thrown around a little bit, right? To, you know, yep. we have to convince the young ladies to hold it. <laughs> don't, don't be tossing it around. But, but uh, here's the deal. When we get to extra, they went to extra innings. They were 11 to 11. 
And then, then my granddaughter's team scored 10 runs in the top of the seventh, <laughs> not through, not by mashing the ball, by the way, okay. but we put a runner on second to start the seventh. Oh, okay. <laughs> in girls softball, a lack of base runners is not an issue <laughs> at that level. We don't need a runner on second. <laughs> Free runner was one of the 10 that scored. I had a very hard time, and some of the parents looked at me like I was insane. When I was, oh. what is this? Oh. What is this? Oh. You know, Rob Manfred. I hope he's proud of himself. I hope he's proud of himself. In a twelve-year-old girls' softball, we're now putting run in second to break a tie in a twenty-one to fourteen game. Oh, that's yeah. hilarious. That's so great. I'm, uh, I'm very upset about that. Yes, well, I think, I think it put me in a bad mood for the entire day. Well, it doesn't take much. Well, I want I want to ask you, uh, we got to talk uh, all, you know, all five of what I consider the six major pro teams in this town played Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Uh, Wolves ended their season Sunday. Now, I want to I know we've talked Wolves a little bit on, you know, on these segments. We've got a few minutes left here, but I what I have a problem with is people who are just saying the second half of the season is really the only one that kind of counts because they kind of figured this out under Finch. They went 16 and 20. They went 13 and 11 when both towns and Russell played, you know what? I get it. I think this is an encouraging. I think the way they're playing is encouraging for sure. And the way I think, especially Edwards, the second half of the year he had, that's absolutely meaningful, but the second half of an NBA season gets weird, especially this year where teams (laughs) are resting guys. You don't know who's trying to win because they're trying to, you know, get the certain seed in the playoffs. You see the Clippers lost last night because they don't want to ever see the Lakers in the playoffs. They lost like Oklahoma city who had no, no intentions of ever winning that game. (laughs) Um, So let's just hold on. This is a team that's improving, but they got a lot of work to do before we're going to say this is a team that's on the path to the playoffs. And uh, you know, when they get in, when they get an opponent that's truly involved, they still could give up 130 with the best of them and they still can't uh you know they still can't guard anybody uh i mean they they, they'll they're trying to win the game in the fourth quarter they might guard somebody but uh really throughout most of the game they don't uh i i think that uh strictly because of edwards there's something going on here oh yeah i agree with that Strictly because of Edwards, but not, you know, this that, that Rosas can come out and tell us that uh, he's he's built a nucleus now. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know. Do we have the third player yet? I don't like Russell. I don't like Russell. I like Russell as a six man coming in and, and you know being the you know Vinnie Johnston yeah. uh, from way back when you know the uh, instant offense. But uh, I don't like him uh, and. Uh, uh, as I think he's a, you know, he still doesn't give you any defense. He's not a playmaker. He can be at times, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I think there's something going on, but it's not, you know, they're, if they go into the, uh, if they go into next season with this same group, are we going to have a 10 T playoff again next year? I don't know. I we talked about that last week. I'm, I kind of like it. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, it was funny too. Cause I saw that the pairings for the, the play in came out and it felt like it had a very, uh, junior varsity and varsity feel to it in both conferences. Yeah, like yeah, uh, what yeah. uh, Charlotte yeah. and uh, what Charlotte and, Indiana, and then, uh, yeah. Washington, Boston. And then it's, uh, San Antonio, Memphis, and then golden state Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. Let me say that, uh, the, uh, I, I, 
I don't see them as a top eight team if they go into next year yeah. in the same condition they are now. If whether they could be a top ten team if it, yeah. you know if the NBA keeps up with this fraudulent system that they have. But I don't. You don't. Are we calling those playoff teams now, or do you have to be no. one of the two? You, you have, have to be, be one of the two that advance through the qualifying round. Or no, whatever. you have. Yeah, you, they they've made a very big distinction. This is the play-in tournament, and then the top eight is the playoffs. Okay. All right. Well, I don't see them as a playoff team right now. Do you? No, and, not as currently constructed. They need. They need. They got a lot of off-season work still to do. I guess that's the point I was making. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there is a. What do you do with a Kogi? You know, Ruby Rubio will be back. I wouldn't imagine. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, what what do you do with some of these guys who who get some minutes? But uh, there's, you know, it's it, it's tolerable to watch now. It isn't absolutely pathetic, yeah. but it's uh, it's not like uh, you know you're going to have a team that's going to make a run at least to the second round. Let's say you make a run at least to the second round of your your competition for interest now hockey and basketball crowds are obviously different yeah but your competition for interest is uh is the team across the way that already mm-hmm. has twice as much interest in you by the time and you're not going to get a draft choice uh, that amounts to much uh by the time this spring and summer gets over you're going to be so far behind them as far as people wanting to buy tickets it can be incredible Yep. and uh yeah so they're, they're in trouble you know i really uh restaurants houses everybody's just spending money like drunken sailors it's unbelievable <laughs> we didn't have, we didn't have anything to spend it on for a I year know, we're all, we're all just like go. take my money you know, take my money well you're so used to the last you know when the restaurants opened up a little bit you were used to wandering into these empty places and right they, greet you like you were uh, the shah coming to town and uh, <laughs> and now you can't get a table what no. the hell's going on it's really weird it's, it's but hey go ahead spend it what do you, you know what what good does it do you you know as i as i always uh you know as i always say i want to die even you know <laughs> <laughs> that that's a perfect place to end this segment. That's Patrick. What my, that old was, that's perfect. Died, my old man died. My old man died even. And, uh, <laughs> so what you gotta do? Yeah, don't, don't. <laughs> spend all of it except yeah, just just yeah, enough. Die yeah. even. Die yeah. even. All right, sir. All right, sir. All Thanks, right. Patrick. Bye. Yep. <laughs> Let's end things with the cooler. Patrick Rossi and I didn't get to Minnesota United or the Lynx because we ran out of time. We had so much that we were talking about, had that important youth sports discussion that we had to get to as well. Um, United gets a big win. Stoppage time goal, one nothing. That's two in a row for them. Maybe that's the start of something after four losses in a row. Don't want to draw too many conclusions, kind of draw, you know, drew too many conclusions off the Twins win Saturday. Thought maybe that was the start of something. <laughs> they found a new way to lose Sunday. But, you know, encouraging sign that United's won two in a row now after dropping their first four. Lynx lose their opener by two, 77-75. Some good things in that game. And remember, Nafisha Collier not playing in that game. Probably their best player, MVP candidate last season. Um, so that season should get better as it goes along. So can't be too disappointed. Two-point loss to Phoenix. We'll see how they do as they round into shape more the rest of the season with a full complement of players on their roster. They play again Tuesday night. 
Thanks for joining me today. Have a bunch of good stuff coming up later in the week. Probably do a Wolves end end of season show at some point here. Lots of wild talk. Sarah McClellan will be on Tuesday's show as well to break down um, the to kind of get you ready for the start of Game Two on Tuesday at Vegas. Big chance for the Wild to go up big in that playoff series. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Michael Rand. Download this podcast. Subscribe if you will. Write a review if you have a chance, and we will see you again on Tuesday.